A very good day to everyone. Thank you for participating in the capitalism event. Today's panel discussion is in conjunction with the Singapore Maritime Week. My name is Terence Jock uh, from Singhai Marine Services. Uh, Singhai is a cruise supply and cruise solution provider to many international ship owners and managers. Uh, our core supply is Chinese crew, and we also provide non-Chinese crew to our customers. The topic for today's discussion is uh, what various cruise strategies are shipping companies going to adopt as the geopolitical tension and the economic uncertainties intensify. We all know that currently there are a lot of headwinds facing the shipping industry. In addition to supply chain and logistical disruption due to the pandemic, we are now facing the Russian and the Ukrainian conflict. To operate the vessel safely and efficiently, quality crew are always required. But as we thought that we are gradually adopting to the new norm for crew change in our pandemic world, we are now faced more challenges as the geopolitical risks have created. Surely, we are very concerned about the economic uncertainties too. Today, we are very glad to have a panel of experts here from various segments of the shipping companies to share about how they manage their fleet during this period of economic uncertainties. All of us are very concerned about the Russian and Ukrainian conflict affecting the shipping industry. And we all hope to draw some insights from our experts panelists here. They are going to share with us in the discussion about their green strategies in this uncertainty's time. Now I'm very honored to introduce our four distinguished panelists. Captain Ashish Madi Retta, Head of Crewing, uh, Fleet Management and Technology, Musk. Uh, Captain Ashish is responsible for management of crew on what Musk owned vessels, uh, involved in strategy related to development of seafarers for the future manning of Musk vessels. Our second panel uh, is Captain Farid Khan. He's the director, uh, HR director of uh, Ecostar Group. Uh, Captain Farid Khan oversees the entire spectrum of human resources, which includes training and development for all staff at sea and shore. Our third panel is uh, Captain Lim Sui Ong. Uh, Captain Lim is a head of Foreigners Marine Singapore. He's also the chairman of SMEF. Singapore Maritime Employers Federation. Our final panelist is Captain Fozi Fradi. Captain Fradi is a green and training director of Clean Bear Ship Management Group. Let's well warmly welcome the four captains on board our panel. Today we have four captains on board. <laughs> I feel very safe. So now, <laughs> Uh, let's begin our discussion. Uh, I have some questions. First, I would like to uh, ask what nationalities of crew you have on board and what are your current concerns and challenges? Uh, shall we start from uh, Captain Ashish? Captain Ashish, please. Thank you, Terence. Uh, first of all, I would like to thank you and the organizers for this panel discussion and also a warm welcome to my fellow uh, panelists. And I think um, I would also take away a few learnings with the experienced people in this call, right? So I, I really look forward to the next 40 minutes or so we have. Coming back to your question, uh, so Musk um, globally employs over 12,500 plus seafarers. And um, when I, with a huge number, for sure, our footprint is spread across uh, various countries and more or less across all continents. So we are primarily uh, employing in Europe. If I start from, and I can start from one end, Denmark, Germany, Holland, UK, and then we go down to South Africa, 
where we do have a sizable population and then coming uh, of course romania ukraine are uh, integral part of a pool and then coming to asia we are primarily you know uh, sourcing out of uh, india and philippines and also a significantly decent number out of china and myanmar maybe a small number here and there from indonesia or sri lanka etc but those are very small numbers so our spread currently is based on the flags we have is uh, danish singapore and hong kong so we have these three flag vessels and we operate around 300 plus ships and uh, you know having around 40 nationalities on board uh, of course not on one ship but across does come with a lot of uh, benefit where we are able to get a diversity uh, angle on our fleet you know different working culture so there's a lot to learn for the seafarers but it does come uh, with a few challenges when you start to manage covid right 40 different regulations you need to know because of so many countries and then they're joining in 50 more countries so you're basically sitting like a un knowing everything over there and uh, coming to your question on this challenges so i think as of today covid while it is reduced I think it's still an issue in flying our seafarers across from point A to point B. Some companies, uh, some countries are opening up, whereas some are still, you know, I would say in the rules which were set two years back and they haven't evolved, right? So I think uh, the worry for me is for the seafarers to be able to go home on time. While we have a very small percentage, you know, just less than one who's over their contractual period. So I think we have control that well and uh, for sure the ukraine and russia war has its own impact and implications because we do employ over around 500 ukrainian seafarers and around 70 russian seafarers so we do see that as an impact and we're working on various things to mitigate that thank you terence thank you uh, so with the fleet of our 300 over vessels uh, many operate definitely uh, be a big challenge since the last two years I think every uh, shipping companies uh, are the same kind of uh, headache. Uh, thank you very much for sharing that, Captain Ashish. So what about uh, EgoStar, Captain uh, Barrich? We know EgoStar acquisition host manager of uh, uh, MRC uh, Blade and also AT Blade. And also uh, yours acquired on uh, a different type of vessel, uh, the wet cargo and also uh, gas carrier. Uh, so you have to uh, uh, meet the metrics requirements uh, for green. So can you share with us about uh, your uh, current uh, green practice and what will be the challenges uh, you are facing now? Uh, now, because of this uh, uh, Russian-Ukrainian uh, conflict, uh, this conflict will have any impact uh, on your green side. Thank you, Terence, and uh, thank you all the maritime stakeholders that is uh, joining us today. And I'm uh, proud to be in this panel. Um, Eagle Star um, has uh, over 30 nationalities um, uh, there of crew that we actually employ on our very focused energy transportation uh, business uh, from uh, uh, liquid cargo, uh, LNG, and also our very large uh, ethane carriers as well, the, v the VLECs. Um, I think uh, the, uh, like uh, Captain Ash has mentioned, uh, the diversity and inclusion part, uh, I think it's the, it's a standard now for shipping companies. And uh, it is the model that, uh, that uh, most, uh, most ship managers and ship owners are actually um, um, using uh, to, to run their vessels uh, safely. And, um, and uh, it is something that uh, we have to look at it from a risk perspective and manage it. I think the biggest challenge uh, that we have, I would say, is the uh, mental wellness uh, of our seafarers. And it is an ongoing piece uh, that, uh, uh, that uh, because of the pandemic, it created this, uh, uh, this issue that is actually, even though COVID is going away, it is still uh, affecting us. There are a lot of crews and officers and ratings that is assistant to rejoin back. They're seeing a big number uh, that is um, taking much longer leave uh, today. Uh, so adding to the COVID complications and logistics nightmare uh, that uh, has not that has improved slightly, I would say, we also have the uh, Ukraine-Russian conflict that is adding to that, and then the mental wellness of the seafarers and 
the hesitancy to return back to normal rotation. So this is creating sort of a, a perfect storm of uh, creating, um, uh, again, another um, uh, difficulty and challenge for us to actually have a normal rotation back on our ships. Uh, and that is something that we need to, we need to address. I think um, at the holistic level, at the higher level, we need to really look at how we're going to move forward uh, as an industry. I think modernization of uh, how we recruit, how we look at uh, our talent pool, building up the new talent pool is uh, still very challenging. Uh, I think there's a lot of uh, um, ad hoc and uh, after effect management that's been done. We need to think longer term, I believe, in uh, moving forward. Uh, heightening uh, the visibility of the, uh, of the um, uh, seafaring as a career needs to be relooked at as well, especially with the challenges that we are seeing today so that we will have a sustainable pool moving forward. I think that's going to be key for us. Uh, you mentioned about the, uh, the energy sector, the metrics compliance. I think uh, that is a challenge that uh, is uh, made worse by these limitations that we have. But um, in Eagle Star, what we have done is actually we have looked at our pool of seafarers and say that let's look at the current pool and let's reskill, uh, let's retool our current seafarers so that they are much more uh, what we call a universal seafarer. So we can actually transfer them from the conventional oil to the uh, gas fleet to the, our DP uh, shuttle tanker fleet. So we will then have a little bit more flexibility in managing the metrics compliance, as well as having in-house talent that we can actually circulate and utilize as we move forward. So uh, our strategy is actually to look at our seafarers as a holistic talent pool right across, rather than segmentize and uh, focus uh, only in one type of uh, ship. And that actually restrict them from a career perspective as well. So this is actually a win-win right across. So that is, uh, that is what we are doing today. And uh, I'm um, looking forward to hearing from the other members of the panel on how we can work together to move uh, our shipping industry forward. Okay. Thank you very much, uh, Captain Barich. I have some other questions. Later on, I'll come back to you. So, okay. Uh, Captain Lim, please. Captain Lim, uh, I think you, Mike, yeah. Okay, maybe we start from uh, uh, Captain Fozzi. Uh, Captain Fozzi, uh, here I please uh, all the four panelists. I uh, think you're very uh, different from others because uh, Columbia uh, is third party shipment company, uh, managing uh, nearly 400 vessels, uh, almost covering uh, all type of vessels. I, I, I'm sure you definitely uh, facing uh, uh, some uh, very uh, unique uh, challenge, uh, which uh, is a bit different from the normal uh, ship owners. Would you like please to share with us uh, uh, your challenges and how actually you manage your challenges uh, nowadays? Thanks, uh, Terence. Uh, good, uh, good morning, good afternoon, everyone. Uh, also a pleasure really to be invited here and uh, to meet uh, my colleagues from, from uh, other companies and to have this opportunity to hear also what they do. And it's very interesting actually so far. Uh, Colombia uh, ship management, as you mentioned, rightfully, we, we have more than 400 ships of uh, different types and sizes and uh, different areas. Uh, we have a pool of uh, more than 14,000 seafarers, um, big range of nationalities. There is no any restriction in Colombia when it comes to nationality or, uh, or uh, age or um, uh, ethnic or any any uh, segregation between our crew. Uh, uh, so uh, I think Captain Lim is in, uh, is in the screen, Terence. Yes. You can continue, please. 
Uh, okay, thank you. Yeah. All right. Uh, so uh, with this uh, variety and diversity of, of nationalities, of course, we have uh, some flexibility, which helped us a lot in a time of crisis, especially when uh, COVID started. Uh, the majority of our uh, seafarers is ma mainly from the Philippines, where we have a big number of ratings. Uh, we have also a large number of officers from uh, Eastern Europe. Uh, and that includes uh, Russia, Ukraine, uh, Georgia, uh, Romania, so many other countries in, in that area where we have our uh, manning agencies and recruitment centers established it for many, many years. Uh, when uh, we had the COVID situation, uh, as uh, Captain Khan mentioned, uh, and also Captain Ashish, is, is really a diverse and fluidic environment which we had to go through it and the change of regulations and the restrictions on, on certain nationalities, restrictions on airport and so on, which we still have some of them, of course, we are carrying on a lot of this is not completely over uh, but somehow that diversity of the pool helped us a lot to manage our challenges there so when we had takeovers in china for example a big number of takeovers in in, in the dry docks in china the uh, relations we had in china helped us a lot but also the fact that we had nationalities who were allowed the time to travel to china uh, was big advantage uh, then uh, we had also the um, peak of the pandemic uh, in India. Uh, Colombia, we do not employ big number of Indian seafarers. It's picking up, but not as I think as the same like uh, my colleagues here. Uh, but uh, definitely we were very well established in other markets when India had a lot of challenges. Uh, Philippines in general is a very resilient country. Uh, so despite all the uh, pandemic and all the crisis which happened, uh, somehow the Philippines, uh, the Filipino seafarers always managed to get to the ships, uh, which, which was a huge advantage for us having a big pool and large pool in the Philippines. And we certainly hope it continues like that or even gets better. Uh, from another hand, uh, the uh, war now, which is between uh, Ukraine and uh, in, in which is happening in the Ukraine, uh, definitely it's affecting us. We have thousands of Ukrainian and Russian uh, seafarers, majority of officers, uh, and uh, we have always uh, accepted to have them mixed on board our ships. Uh, historically, that was definitely uh, acceptable and normal. Uh, luckily, most of our officers um, uh, and also a big number of our ratings are many, many years with us. Uh, Terra. So the the loyalty to the company and, and the the fact they've been uh, they've been serving in, in, on board our ships or our clients' ships uh, for for many years uh, helped us tremendously to manage uh, this uh, war and this conflict. Uh, so luckily, so far on board the ships, the situation is very professional. Um, that we don't know about any significant issue until today, which is really great to see how seafarers in general, not only the Russians and Ukrainians, they're very professional people. It's a good image for our industry. The biggest challenge, though, is that the martial law in Ukraine, where any male between the age of 18 and 60 cannot leave the country, which, of course, we understand it's, 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 a, it's a country decision and we fully respect that. Uh, however, it, this this is, might come with uh, huge challenges in the near future if there will be no peaceful solution for this war. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Captain Fozzi. So uh, a bit interesting. Uh, I heard some of your ships, actually you have both uh, uh, Ukraine and Russian uh, crew on board the same ship. So are they okay now? Are they uh, getting along with, with each other uh, after the conflict happened? Well, the best way when you have various nationalities on board the ship who do not share uh, the same political opinions is not to discuss politics. And we recommend to our seafarers not to discuss the war. And we keep reminding them. We send very often uh, video messages by our CEO 
so almost weekly basis, we keep talking to our crew. Uh, we call the ships uh, from directors levels very frequently and we discuss with our captains and our captains have frequent meetings with all the crew, not to discuss the war, but to discuss how can we live together professionally until this uh, crisis is sorted out. Uh, it's working. Uh, I hope it will continue to work, definitely. We hope, of course, that this war will not last for too long to become a challenge also for the relations on board the ship. Okay. Uh, I heard uh, some of the Ukraine crew the, uh, already extended uh, their service contract on board. So, uh, assuming if the war uh, conflict uh, continue for a few more months, so how actually you can arrange the Ukraine uh, crew uh, back their home? So uh, once they complete the contract. Then another issue yeah. I said for Russian officer, now uh, many companies having uh, a problem for the payment of their monthly salary, right? So how uh, do you manage uh, this, this, this problem? Sorry, the last question I didn't hear. Some and Russians? The payment, the payment of uh, salary for Russian crew. Yeah, uh, okay, I will answer in, in uh, because the, the, you have a few questions. So the first question is how to repatriate the Ukrainians. Well, the Ukrainians are rarely going back to Ukraine. Uh, those who are repatriated, uh, of course, I think you heard all, all of my colleagues as well. I'm sure that the industry already, and very quickly, and, and I'm very proud about our industry this time, very quickly, there were solutions coming from PNI clubs, from, from different organizations, how, and also unions, how to handle the repatriation of, of the uh, Ukrainians. And, and that was extremely helpful that we, we start to sing the same song very quickly. So uh, th this, this is, sorry, uh, th this is, uh, sorry, one second. You have urgent from the ship. Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, this is, uh, this is, of course, was very helpful because uh, most of Ukrainians uh, have finally uh, decided to uh, to be repatriated in other countries where either their families are there or they avoided to go back to Ukraine for various reasons. Uh, those who decided to go to Ukraine, I think we all have read the uh, the guidelines and we follow the same industry guidelines. Uh, so the Ukrainians, when they come to Poland or Romania or, or any of these uh, locations, uh, we provide them, of course, with accommodation. We have help centers, which we have established in uh, all of these countries neighboring to Ukraine. Uh, so they have, um, we have our agencies who are providing help, providing accommodation, transportation, uh, definitely for the families also who are refugees from, from Ukraine. Uh, we have also set up uh, a relief fund uh, which also is funding these uh, these um, uh, these actions. And recently, we have also established sanctuaries, meaning we have like accommodation, which is fully reserved for for the families of our seafarers. Uh, so these are a lot of efforts which we have done uh, from from the beginning. When it comes to the uh, payment of the Russians, Terence, uh, uh, luckily so far, not all the banks are under sanction. Uh, so there are a couple of banks which are not involved in these sanctions and we have recommended to our seafarers uh, to uh, open bank accounts if they are not already in in these banks and the payments are, are actually done uh, are actually done in in, in that uh, way so so far i can say we are managing very good that's great i think uh, uh... Columbia really spent a lot of uh, effort uh, to take care of the Ukraine crew and also try to manage the payment for the Russian crew on board. Uh, both nationalities can uh, work on more the same ship uh, well. Uh, that's really a great job. It's not that easy. Thank you very much, uh, Captain Fozzi. So, Thank Captain you. Lee, uh, so, Captain Lee, uh, we, we know Wallenus uh, is at least a, a leading uh, car carrier uh, ship owner. So would you please share with, it, with us uh, in your segment, so your, your, your challenges, uh, what's your experience in managing the current uh, green issues? Yeah. Thank you, Terence. And hello to the panelists. Hmm? Happy to be here. Yeah, for Wallinus Marine, we have about 21 vessels. All of them are car carriers. 
we manage about 650 crew, not, not as big group as uh, the other panelists have. Hmm? But mostly for ours, they are Filipinos, they make up about 65%. Then we have Burmese. Hmm? We have some Swedish, Singaporean, and Malaysian. This make up about the remaining 35% of the pool. So mainly the, the main pool is still coming from the Philippines. And all our vessels are trading worldwide. They are under TC charter and they have different uh, route. Hmm? Japan to Australia, you have round the globe trading, you have Atlantic trading and Pacific trading. Hmm? So for round the world trading are mostly those bigger vessels that can carry tractors and all that. Hmm? And uh, those are uh, short sea trip are uh, usually uh, saloon cars. Hmm? So they are going in different areas. And uh, for this uh, Ukraine and, and uh, Russia, the war, I wouldn't say it do not have any effect on us because we do not have uh, Russian or Ukrainian crew. But because of this crew shortage, hmm, we are worried that uh, other company may poach the crew or go to Philippines or go to other areas to, 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 to draw the crew, then the crew wages will increase. Hmm? But this is too early to, to say, but this is one of the contingency plan that we are preparing just in case this thing happen, where to look for alternate crew and where other areas that we can venture into. Hmm? And uh, as far as COVID is concerned, like every one of you mentioned, uh, the restriction has been reduced for most of the country, except a few of them. But China is still the main one that have very strong restriction. And in fact, some of them have lockdowns. And we have new building in China. We have problem to get our people into China hmm, to bring out the vessel. So we have no choice sometimes to employ China crew. But at the moment for China crew, the wages are very high as compared to other nationality. And uh, usually these contracts are for short trip to at least bring out the ship from China and later do a crew change. So since uh, parents, you are dealing with China crew, then maybe you should look into this, how to, to, to have a good uh, 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 discussion with all those owners that are building ship in China hmm? to make it a more viable solution rather than most of the owner only employ as a short-term contract. Huh? And after when the ship left China to another port, then they disembark the, the China crew. Hmm? Thank you very much, Captain Lim. Thank you for your, for your sharing. Just, just let me know uh, if you have any issue in China, definitely we can do our part. So yeah. first we must have you deliver your ship out of China. <laughs> so <laughs> so yeah. then our, of course, I will share with, uh, with uh, all of you uh, my observation on Chinese crew uh, after, after our discussion. Mm. Thank you very much, Captain for your sharing. So, yeah. uh, okay, I I have a one question maybe for both uh, Captain Farid and uh, Captain Ashish. Uh, so you know, these few years we can see the market like a uh, container ship uh, uh, making a uh, very good profit, and uh, of course uh, the tanker side uh, little bit suffering. Uh, but actually, because of the green shortage, uh, what we can see uh, very. Uh, of course, not only for Chinese, I think most of the uh, nationalities, we can see an increase of their salary cost, uh, especially for the repatriation cost because of the COVID is really very costly. I think many of us, we have uh, uh, over our budget for crew change. Uh, so uh, I would like to uh, uh, invite uh, Barrage and Ashish, please share with how do you manage your, your green cost in the pandemic period, 
and moving forward, uh, what do you think? And do you foresee uh, the crude salary will continue uh, to increase because of the uh, shortage uh, caused by the uh, Ukraine and uh, Russian uh, conflict? So uh, maybe Farid, uh, you uh, speak first. Thank you, thank you, Terence. I I, uh, I I firmly believe uh, this is uh, this is a business risk that uh, I think uh, every every good business should look at. Um, you know, uh, events happen, uh, black swan or no no swan. Uh, the pandemic, uh, the, the 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 conflict, um, and uh, it's it's how as an industry we manage it. Uh, I think the uh, transportation costs. Uh, uh, has uh, at the initial stages of the con uh, of the pandemic, where companies were chartering flights to do crew changes because the crews were really really overdue. It was an extremely high cost, uh, but like Captain uh, Friday uh, Fauzi has said, you know we have overcome, we have managed it, and uh, we have uh, we have uh, managed to do the crew changes and bring a semblance of normality back uh, back on board. So I think this is a business cost that we need to we need to look at as the conditions change. Uh, the pandemic uh, has uh, brought in uh, the, those challenges. The crew cost uh, in terms of uh, uh, transportation, uh, logistics, uh, the number of PCR tests, uh, differing countries uh, ranging from fifty US dollars to in some places five hundred US dollars for a PCR test uh, uh, has really change the, uh, the dynamics of the crew cost. And um, uh, as ship managers, it is up to us to uh, work with the owners, work with our masters, work with our agents, work with all the stakeholders in the full logistics spectrum to see how best we can manage this. Uh, we are seeing uh, the uh, flight, uh, especially the, uh, the uh, air transportation, coming back to some sort of normality. Countries are opening up. We see the change in prices, so that is helping us. The reduction of crew uh, that is returning will definitely have an impact on the crew cost. I think the bumper harvest that the container ships are having, it is also very clear that they're doing these bonuses or increases as a one-off. And they're saying that very, very clearly, that it's not a sustainable uh, way to go forward. So uh, we need to put that in perspective. Uh, I think... Uh, on, uh, on the energy sector, we are feeling the pain a little bit more. Uh, I, think that, I think the key is to retain our crew, uh, to retain our long-serving loyal crew and uh, to ensure that uh, they can see a future, a sustainable future, not a, a one-off uh, uh, that uh, will actually impact this. So yes, we will see uh, uh, an increase in crew cost, uh, the logistics part, and the wages, uh, but uh, this is going to be um, driven by the business. And as good businesses, we need to manage this as a business risk and move forward. Thank you, Farid. But now it looks like uh, the tanker section also uh, the fleet is suddenly getting better. I wish you have a better budget this year. <laughs> so, what about your side, Kapnashish? Uh, yeah, thanks, uh, Tarun. I think Ken uh, Farid is well explained, right? It's the business and you know, our job is to also support that. And there will always be ups and downs. So from a container market, as Musk, we're doing quite well, you know, uh, on the freight side. So that just gives a bit of a leeway. But on the other hand, if we narrow down on a crew cost, no doubt it is taking a beating, right? And it's taking a beating for everyone else. And there were reasons beyond everyone's control, their flights were reduced and uh, PCR test fees and multiple testing, etc. But I think important for us at that time, point of time was to see how many seafarers can we get them home on time to their families, because that also results is they will come back on time. If not 100%, you have a larger percentage coming back. But if they were to do extended period on board, then they would want an extended leave at home, right? And then you start to have a pool deficit over there. And at that point of time, I don't think there was a pool to go and poach because everyone was having their problem, right? And in spite of having a high travel cost, you really could not increase your wages budget also, right? So it was tough time, but I think it was really good to see that the industry 
focused on the seafarers first at that time. And yes, we felt a lot of governments were strict, but as an industry, if it was Musk or if it was Eagle Star or, you know, Captain Fozzie and his team, I'm sure everyone focused is how do I look after my seafarers? They are my priority. Seafarers are heroes, right? I think after a long time, I have seen at least where all the shipping companies got together. And, you know, they forgot that we are rivals in uh, container shipping or this, but how can we push together? So I think that was a strong point over there. And we have re benefit out of that also, whereas some rules were changed when we went as an industry rather than as one company. So the uh, cost was high. And now uh, the issue I see with the Ukraine war is, I think it's, we have to be careful, right? We don't overreact to it. Because we also see quite a few Ukrainian seafarers joining back now. Those who are staying in Romania, Poland, having got their family set down, they're joining back, right? Those who are signing off, who are in a comfortable position, want to come back. Some want to stay on board. So yes, 100% will not come back, but a decent population would come up, right? So we really have to be mindful in order not to resolve it in one month. It will take maybe have patience three, four months to see how the war or the conflict uh, progresses, how soon can we get them back? Right? So I think I would say a bit of patience is required rather than we start to you know, increase the cost over there. But, uh, and this is again going to put challenge in the pool. Why? Because a uh, lot of people don't want to come. Those who are at a certain age would like to retire early because they see a risk with COVID, right? And the youngsters, are they really motivated to come out? And the way I see is, uh, for example, dual fuel engine vessels coming out with the need and demand increasing on technology, we need, we need a higher competence uh, level who's coming into the shipping, right? Whereas that's really not the case. A lot of them want to go to a show job where they can have a cushy job, at least go in the morning, come back in the evening and go out and meet their friends. So it, shipping is, I think, at a point where we want good talent. We want the talent level to become better, but uh, the source of getting them is going to be a challenge, right? And how fast we can together is try to see as we really make it attractive enough, we do that. For example, I can also share from a diversity angle, we are looking a lot on getting a female seafarers, right? And again, it's just not for us. I think it's an industry thing. If we all start to make females inclusive of shipping, we increase the number there, one, we increase the pool. Second is, it also gives us more flexibility and diversity out at sea. So we are also aligning how other organizations, other industries work. So cost is going to be a pressure. But I guess we need to be smart to see is not to buckle and do things in a short-term advantage, but start to look from a long-term perspective what is to be done. And I think Captain Valley mentioned a very good point that, uh, you know, is it one-time bonus in this to mitigate this? is going to be critical now, right? Yep. Thank yeah. you, Lawrence. Thank you, Ashish. But to be honest, I can see a container line still in a, a very prospective uh, future. At least this year, we can see uh, still very bright. So maybe you 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 are okay with the with the budget, right? So maybe you can anytime can increase the budget uh, to at least overcome all these uh, problems. Uh, what I mean uh, is for other sectors uh, like anchor. Of course, this year we can also the uh, the turning point. Uh, but anyway, the budget always uh, issue for uh, for the ship owners uh, uh, in nowadays because there's a lot of uh, uh, uncertainties. Uh, but Chinese crew, uh, we all know uh, these few years we can see the wages have increased. Uh, many ship owners they have to use Chinese crew. Uh, or because of some reasons. But overall speaking, uh, do you think uh, in the next couple of years, uh, I mean, the worldwide severus, uh, do you think uh, the salary uh, will be further increased? Uh, as we know now, the equity page is uh, more than the uh, ITF reach in many of the companies. So what, what do you foresee uh, the trend for green salary cost, uh, Kapnashish? Yeah, I, I think one we have to accept, salary will increase. The inflation is increasing, right? But at what level would it increase is critical over here. And I think companies would start to look at alternate sourcing areas. Where can we develop sourcing areas? Are we limited just to 
a few countries which we have known in the past or do we want to venture out to other some of the southeast asian countries can we start building up a pool over there and i'm sure they will come at a cost which you know uh, should help manage that right so it's quite important that we broaden horizon i think also covid has shown for example is those who have had different nationalities have been able to manage it better those who were stuck with one nationality got stuck if philippines shut down for example then you were in trouble right but to those who had a varied nationality could play around and with a lot of nationality they manage it so i think i would see is uh, the the expansion increasing maybe some more countries coming in as sourcing pool in the near future which we need to do and we you know we need to keep us under control because today Yes, inflation is going. Container market is doing well. Tankers may be doing well, but it's not something which is going to last next ten years, right? So I think we have to be very mindful. How do we look at this? As I said, we cannot go for a short-term uh, thing. We have to be on a long-term solution. What works fine for us, we need to work on that, right? Be smart on this. Yeah, I fully agree, uh, Ashish. I think now we all realize we cannot put uh, all eggs into one basket. So by uh, diversifying our green sources uh, is a key uh, for our uh, human capital management. Uh, now, now there's another question because the Russian-Ukraine conflict, conflict uh, now we can see the, the difficulties to employ uh, seafarers from these two countries. Uh, we know uh, Russian and uh, Ukrainian producing a uh, very good quality of uh, officers. So uh, according to the uh, BIMCO report, these two countries all come together, uh, count about 14.5% uh, of the uh, world seafarers uh, population. So assuming, assuming uh, if the conflict uh, continue uh, for certain number of months, uh, maybe maybe longer. So obviously there will be a, uh, a shortage, there will be a gap uh, in front of us. So uh, as a uh, every ship owners or ship managers, uh, we have to uh, plan ahead how exactly we can try to do our part uh, to uh, make sure our pool of crew uh, are stable, able to meet uh, the fleet requirement. Is there any uh, good experience uh, uh, all of us here can share with uh, with uh, with with this audience? Um, maybe uh, yeah. Thanks, can I just take a minute of that, right? Uh, yeah. But but I think we also have to be mindful. Yes, we may not have the Ukrainian and Russians come, right? But the trade with these two countries will also reduce, right? Would we have the same number of vessels on the water? Is to be seen. We would also start to see a reduction on the vessel out at sea, right? They could be increased recycling because the trade has gone down. So you would also see with the trade going down, number of vessels being reduced, that put some percentage population of seafarer requirement would also go down. So it would be, you know, a bit naive to say all ships will continue sailing. We still need, we would see a requirement going down. So I think that balance is very important to be understood before we start to create panic over there. There will be shortage, no doubt, but to what extent, I think that's important to consider. Yeah, thank you, Kapitan Ashish. Ari? Yeah, if I, if I can uh, add on to Captain Ashish as well, I, I think uh, it's, uh, it's, um, it's, it's, not a, it's not a passport that you hold. Uh, I think uh, shipping is a, is a global uh, resource uh, uh, center. It's uh, the strategy that the company has in managing geopolitical um, issues and the pandemic. Uh, I think if you have a good risk management perspective, um, uh, it's about finding the right strategy to manage it. Uh, in our case, uh, we've been very, very clear that uh, for, over, for many years that uh, we should not um, focus our risk on only one nationality or one area. So uh, spreading the risk is really critical. And we are doing this not only nationality-wise, but also from a skills perspective. Our concept of a universal seafarer means that we can actually put them on an oil tanker or a gas tanker or an eating carrier. Uh, so we have the flexibility to actually manage the resource pool. And that has to come in right from the training part. 
uh, we are fortunate that we have our own training center, Alam uh, in Malacca in Malaysia. Uh, using that uh, as a center of uh, expertise, we are actually cross-skilling our seafarers. Uh, it's been very successful. We then have actually the capability and ability uh, to transfer our seafarers right across. And that gives us uh, the ability to manage the risk as it comes through. And I think, uh, I believe firmly that uh, this is going to be the future because uh, with modernization, with the, with the way the technology is moving really quickly, uh, a lot more shipping companies, a lot more training centers, maritime centers are actually looking at this uh, to cross-skill and diversify the skill for our seafarers. So you then can uh, utilize the, the, the seafarers in, at any time in a need, at the right time, at the right place. Thank you, Farid. So Fazir, in uh, clean ship management, uh, we know you have a big pool of uh, a crew from uh, many different countries. So it's really uh, not an easy job uh, to retain uh, our crew, uh, which every most of the time we need to do so. So can you share with us how clean uh, take care of uh, your seafarers? Uh, what kind of benefit training uh, strategy do you have? Maybe you can share with the panel. Exactly, Th thanks Terence. Uh, I think also uh, just to add a few words on what my colleagues were saying, I mean, diversifying the recruitment uh, sources and the skills is extremely important going forward. But <clears throat> however, we all know that until today, all the shipping industry has focused in very much similar uh, recruitment or manpower sources and uh, any any diversity will will need a lot of effort so it, it's a bit of medium term to long term solution but it's not an immediate solution uh, retention uh, terence is an extremely important factor during crisis time especially when you cannot control the wages as we said the wages increase and where there are offers coming from left, right, and center to your best officers, uh, and which also you cannot control, and especially, especially as a ship manager. Uh, and I think that retention helped us a lot and worked in our benefit because an officer who is offered a couple of thousands more per month would not leave the company just to make a short uh, a contract or two uh, with with another company who he or she doesn't know and not familiar with and so on and so forth. So how the retention is built? Uh, for me, in my opinion, retention is built over a long time, many years. It's a culture. Uh, it's by giving a lot of uh, feeling of ownership to the crew. They feel that they're part of the ownership of the company. They feel that they belong to the company. They're heard. Their voices are heard. So we give a lot of opportunities to our officers and ratings to communicate to the company. I don't know if you would believe, Terence, that every seafarer in Colombia has the mobile number of our CEO. Just to give you one, one example, which I don't think it's, it's, it's uh, available across uh, all other um, uh, companies, uh, whatever, maritime or non-maritime in, in general. Uh, our crew, they have no hesitation to share their thoughts, their concerns, their complaints with us, either, either anonymously, so through the hotlines, uh, through the um, open reporting systems, or openly if they want to call any of the management team. So that's extremely important. Two is the welfare. Uh, we spoke a lot about mental health when COVID started. Uh, Colombia, we, we started offering mental health support 24-7 to our seafarers way before COVID came in. We certainly didn't know that COVID was coming, so it, it was something that we decided uh, in advance because, I mean, I've been sailing and I think all my colleagues here been sailing for many years. It is extremely challenging to be sailing. And nowadays with internet, with connectivity, it's, it's getting better but also harder psychologically yeah so you you are basically living like you are at home mm -hmm. so internet is the second point we made sure that our crew have free internet free access to internet 
uh, across all the fleet, uh, which which is actually a, a huge advantage to keep the seafarers feeling happy. So we try to balance uh, between the information they get. And definitely, uh, how to say, uh, a, a crew who has, you know, a good cook on board is sometimes extremely, extremely sensible uh, thing. And uh, we made sure that there is the, our cooks are well-trained, uh, that the menus which are uh, offered on board are also healthy, uh, they, they are diverse, and we respect, of course, the culture of, of people, uh, of the crew who are on board uh, in these regards. Of course, there, there were many initiatives which we have done, and I'm sure many of them are shared among my colleagues as well. But you, uh, Terence, I think the, the best thing I can say is to keep the crew engaged. Yeah. So we, we yeah we do a lot of webinars. We 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 get the crew online. Yeah. Uh, we get hundreds of people or small groups depends what we want to discuss. Uh, we do a lot of competitions, fitness. We provided ships with new, new fitness tools. Uh, they do a lot of fitness and training. Training is extremely important because training is is the the way how they can push their career forward. Then we how the way how we can help them to push their career forward. And, and we started. Also before COVID, we started implementing our e-learning and learning management system, and we have like 15,000 subscribers on, on our platform. And there's a lot of content which they have. Only little of it is, is mandatory, and the rest is really a free open source of learning and education. Uh, so I think it's a package. And this package, yeah. as you can understand, Terence, is increasing. Like now we are adding telemedicine and a lot of other services. So I think we need to do a lot around the human uh, center here. And, and this is what we focus around. Thank you very much, uh, Captain Bolle, for sharing with us. I, I'm sure here all our panelists are very good employees. Definitely, you have your way to take care of your people and make sure your retention rate up to expectation. So uh, every time is uh, almost up. Uh, my last question I would like to uh, ask Captain Lim. So Captain Lim actually is, uh, is a chairman of uh, SMEF. Uh, we know now Singapore is a maritime hub. Uh, we have uh, MPA. Uh, Captain Lim always uh, representing the uh, employers uh, to uh, talk to our regulator and talk to our uh, association uh, for uh, our uh, ship owners' uh, benefit. So, what do you think? Uh, what next, uh, Singapore? Uh, what we doing? Of course, now we recently we have seen MPA uh, uh, have uh, some new. Uh, Notice uh, for to uh, for crew uh, change convenience. Uh, would you like to see something uh, in general about the Singapore side? Uh, Leave your Mac. Yeah, for the Singapore context and as uh, SMEF, we have a uh, frequent meeting with the unions with MPA to discuss how to improve for, for, for Singapore. Mm? And uh, we, we find that, uh, especially for the last two years, most uh, ship manager, they are doing their best for the welfare, just like what uh, Farid have just mentioned and all that, to the seafarers, they do all, whatever is possible to engage with the crew, even have frequent meeting with through teams with the vessel, and and we know that the, the, the vessel is so wide, so we try to break into different time slot so that some crew, some of the vessel can can attend the meeting where the others uh, can attend later, and we broadcast the same information to them. So within one two days, all the vessel will receive the same same information and all that. Hmm? But somehow, uh, each individual uh, manager, for me, they are, they are working in a way like silo. If we can bring all together, all these ship manager into one room and really discuss what each have done and share the information before we distribute it out to the whole uh, vessel, that will improve that whether it's training or, or welfare, much better than each individual uh, ship manager is doing for themselves. Just like now, when we do the discussion, 
Hmm? We can hear that each of us is trying to do their best, but there is certain thing, certain value that we have not done that you have mentioned or the panelists have mentioned that we can improve for our vessel and likewise for, for, for the others. So that is very important and going forward, talking to MPA and talking to union, maybe they should arrange more frequent uh, manager sitting together to, to, to have a closed door meeting within the, the panel or within the, the, the forum eh, to bring up each individual manager as individual when they train up their, their whatever for, for crew training or, or, or improvement of the, the crew's health, their welfare and all that. Hmm? So, so this is one key point that, that I should bring up later when we have such a meeting. Hmm? And for Singapore side, for the discovered, no doubt they are trying to, to soften the, the restriction hmm? and, and when go back to, to normal as a, as a norm. But at this moment, the crew coming to Singapore for crew change is not as much as other countries because there's still certain restriction between the Singapore uh, stakeholder huh, that have to come to a common decision that they all agree huh, to, to have the crew do certain uh, test requirement and all that before they can join the vessel. Hmm? And this part, we are continuing to discuss with, with MPA and maybe MOM, see how we can improve it. Hmm? Thank you very much, Captain Lee. Yeah. So I believe under your leadership, uh, Singapore uh, SMEF uh, definitely can uh, be more active, can do mm -hmm. for the Singapore shipping industry. Yes. Uh, thank you, sir. So, uh, Time really run very fast. Uh, we are uh, nearly, uh, uh, I think, 15 minutes over. So, okay, before uh, uh, going to the conclusion, uh, I'd like to share my observation on the print situation. So this part we have yet touched. Uh, so as we all know, uh, due to the zero policy, uh, foreign crew cannot fly into China and also cannot sign off in China. So China has a, a big number of seafarers, but many Chinese crew, they fear the COVID situation out of China and choosing to stay at home and reluctant to join ocean-going ships. At the same time, many foreign ship owners have to employ Chinese crew to deliver their new bills in China. Uh, so which resulted in a heavy shortage of Chinese crew, especially uh, last year. And as a consequence, of course, you can see the Chinese crew green cost uh, was at the highest end in the history. Uh, but from March this year, uh, we can see the situation has been changing. Uh, Chinese crew's uh, expectation on salary uh, gradually becoming uh, more realistic. Uh, the reason is that COVID situation has been improving worldwide. Ship owners have more options for doing their ship. Uh, at the same time, more Chinese crew are available now and willing to join ocean ships. So the demand and supply for Chinese crew is moving uh, to a balance. So though at the present moment, uh, China still keeps its uh, zero COVID policy, uh, it is very unlikely this policy will last too long, given the fact that most of the countries in the world are opening up. So we wish the restriction in China would be eased in the near future. So in the most, uh, in the post uh, pandemic period, uh, personally, I believe Chinese crew remain employable and competitive. So while you see the global shortage of quality seafarers, especially officers, saves still the biggest challenge in the industry, both for short-term and long-term. So I wish our panelists here uh, you will continue uh, to employ Chinese crew, uh, retain your Chinese crew. All those having yet to use Chinese crew, you may have a have a try. Uh, 
Okay, coming to the end of discussion, uh, a very big thank you and our panelists. Uh, though our panelists are extremely busy yet, they take their time to share about uh, the current crewing situation on the vessels. They also share about the challenges they are facing and how they manage the crew. We have heard them. It has been insightful. And personally, I have many takeaways from the panel discussion. I hope you have your takeaways too. Now, crewing is always very challenging. But by hearing from each other, sharing the information, practicing good ethics, and consistently engaging with the regulators to improve crewing practices, I'm sure we all can overcome the difficulties that we are facing now. Thank you everyone for your time and participation in today's discussion. Stay safe and good luck to you all, always. Thank you very much. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Thank you.